0: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I am so excited to bring Kelly Yu into the podcast today. She is somebody who genuinely brightens my newsfeed. I hope today that she brightens your eardrums and we're going to have such a cool conversation. I don't even know where it's going to go, but I know it's going to be somewhere cool because it's Kelly freaking you. Okay, let's get into it. Please welcome Kelly to the show. Kelly freaking you. You're here. You're on the pod. Who the hell are you for anybody who doesn't already follow your lovely, colorful? I didn't know you were so short. I just saw that in your bio. So short. So (laughs) short. I knew you were short, but you're a little tiny thing.
1: I am 4'11", and I'm very flattered that people don't think I am because my biggest fear as a kid was looking like a thumb, truly. Mm, Yeah. And actually- Little thumbelina. Wow, love that. One of the (laughs) things I was really excited about this morning is I went number two- That's like the highlight of my day. And that probably tells you a lot about me. Basically on social media, I love talking about everything. I started out really obsessed with like fitness and body and realized I had binge eating disorder, depression, anxiety. And I developed so many struggles with connecting with myself and my body. And that kind of led me also to feel like I wanted to tell other people, it's not just you. And that's Mm -hmm kind of spiraled into, oh, I'm super constipated because I have severe IBS and I've been through a very traumatic seven year long, narcissistically abusive relationship. I've had a lot of issues with my parents and I've had to take space. And that's why I love social media. We're all so interesting and fascinating. And I just love also hearing things from our friends that follow us. Like I think they're more interesting than me. I
0: love that you're like the best part of my day is that I pooped this morning because (laughs) I'm someone who also has IBS. I had IBSD, which is diarrhea, Mm -hmm. IBSC, which is constipation. And then back into IBSD for the first time in like half a decade. And (sighs) to be able to talk about things like that and that be enough, like, do you know what I mean? I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times we're, our whole lives we're kind of looking for, you know, what makes us special and what makes us interesting. Like in some cultures you genuinely talk about your poop in mm. your normal conversations. I notice this with little children. We talk about their bowel movements like it's the most important part of their day. Like how they they seem a little cranky. Have they
1: pooped lately? Nobody Correct. asks me that. No no one. And I do remember you sharing too, you also share a lot of food intolerances or allergies Mm. as I do. Girl, can you list them for me? Because I want to see if we match up. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, another way to connect is literally that. It's wild and it's comforting. It is. And it's
0: also so difficult when you've come out of any type of food issue to then clarify, you also have things that you have to avoid, not restrictively, but because you might literally explode Mm -hmm. or I get blistering rashes. So my big one is gluten. Have I been diagnosed celiac? No, because you have to go back onto it before you can get a diagnosis. And for the first time in like half a decade, I could have normal bowel movements. And I was like, why would we do this? I don't need, I don't need some sort of a label. I break out in a blistering rash from gluten. Mm. I also get severely ill or constipated one way or the other. I really don't know. It depends on the day. And dairy is my other one. Dairy is my oh, other big one. too. Farts- galore
1: just gas me up yeah
0: yeah and i actually uh went completely plant based for years because there were, meat was triggering so much ibs as well but after a few years off of it i was able to kind of reintroduce like fish and chicken and that became a little bit easy but honestly sometimes it feels like you toss your hands up but in almost every case it is
1: gluten or dairy what are yours damn oh are you ready i'm ready onions No. Yes. i and is that not in everything? Everything. <laughs> I know you'd have to eat cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Otherwise, I I'd know. be like good thing. No. I'm not good thing it's not gluten intolerance. It's onions, garlic, citrus, macadamia nuts, which I found out in Hawaii when I was 10. There's this really famous Honolulu cookie company, and they're so good. They're like these cute little pineapple-shaped shortbreads. And I ate one that was a free sample at the mall, and my lip. Oh my gosh. It was scary. And also scallops. And I also, because I have acid reflux and IBS constipation and IBS for anyone who doesn't know is irritable bowel syndrome. So there are just a lot of random things. And I relate to what you said about the meat, anything that's has heavy animal fats. I'm like, send me home, but it's okay. It it
0: is okay, but it is a difference in navigating life. I used to always, if I made social plans, it couldn't include going out and doing, like, and eating. It had to be very separate. I'd be like, I'll join you after a meal or we have to have a meal and go home.
1: Like, there was never, that was so hard to navigate. Oh, it is, and I also- really struggled when I was younger to be comfortable socializing. Mm. Like I just felt really insecure. And I think that I always thought I had to please people or make them like me. And so I was never showing up as myself. And that's been a big journey in my life is I don't know who the hell I am. So I don't know how to even care about you. I don't know how to ask you who you are and connect with you deeply because I'm just like, "Uh, uh, do they think I'm annoying? Do they think I'm weird? I like being
0: weird, to be honest. I think that was like the shushing part of my entire existence was like, you're a bit TMI. You share too much. And I'm like, "Mm, I think that's genuinely who I am. And I think I
1: shushed her. And I feel like maybe that's you too. Oh, I love talking about the roots of stuff. I'm obsessed with therapy. My podcast is literally called Therapy Thursday. And I'm only the person that I am because I really started to go to therapy when I was 20. And I realized that a lot of my childhood and growing up, I was kind of told, hey, relax. Mm, You're mm -hmm. you're talking too much. In Chinese, my mom would always say, you're so he," which means you're so annoying and you're like very talkative. So obviously, I don't want to be very talkative. That's clearly terrible. Did you ever experience like other kids telling you that or parents? Or- Every report card.
0: My parents were never the shushy kind, but I used to get in trouble a lot at school for talking too much. That was always what I got in trouble for: over-socializing, too much talking. And I remember one day I might the first time I ever got hired for speaking, I told my grandmother and I was like, Nanny, guess what? I'm like doing this big thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like doing the speaking event. And she was like, they're paying you to talk. And I was like, yeah, look how that turned around. (laughs) Jam Gamble is a great example for this because she talks a lot about like, or maybe it was her, maybe it was someone else, but like people who taught, who were told they talk too much as kids, what are you doing now as adults? And almost every time it is something in the realm of sharing or speaking or writing and doing like, You can't shush that and we get shushed by society and you do have to learn how to be polite. I think it probably shouldn't have been talking through class, but it does connect and make sense. Same as you, like it, it makes sense why you are able to share and do these big things now, because that's genuinely a big part of who you are. And maybe that got shushed.
1: Oh, it's so true. And I think that's why I also, you know, biologically I have these digestive disorders, but I've held so much stress and trauma anxiety in my body that caused it to just shut down. And with eating disorders, you have all these secrets and you get to have fun with all your binging behaviors and it's all these rituals. And I think learning how to unravel all of that was learning that, wow, I have shame for just being like Mm. really existing and and not being afraid of how people will perceive me.
0: That's such a good point. And, you know, you talked about the roots of things as well. And I remember podcasting with Alexis Haynes, who has recovering from reality podcasts, and she Talked about, you know, addictions and the root of all addictions being trauma. And yet we try and treat addictions instead of treating trauma and how, you know, this different approach that they were taking. And I kind of want to know in terms of talking about, if you're open to sharing, of course, but when we talk about food struggles, eating disorders, anything like that, I think a lot of people are like, oh, the issue is your body. And that sometimes is, but it's not, your body can't be the problem. There's a root to that problem. There is a societal issue, a systemic issue. Like there is trauma. There's, there's a reason why. I know mine was feeling a lack of control in my life and it felt like something I could control and very much seeking validation, wanting to be accepted into a society, especially as a struggling creator, wanting to feel... A attention and acceptance and grow a following. And weight loss was a great way to do that when I stepped into social media. So for you, you know, you are a very small person. So to to take that, Mm -hmm. your body being, you know, somewhat of a societal issue likely isn't your root. So when you think of your food issues and struggles, do you know, and have you been able to place your roots?
1: I think my fixation on my body has one root and my binge eating and control over food came from my parents. (laughs) So let's start from the body image. When I was in third grade, there was this boy that I was obsessed with. Like every girl had a crush on him. We all had one of those, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were all playing after school in the playground, I guess. And he came up to me and I'm not even joking you. He just looked at me and said, "Huh, you got kind of chubby. I'm like 10 years old yeah, and I actually only lived eight houses down from my school. So I just picked up my backpack, went home and I truly said to myself, well, clearly that's bad. So I'm just going to stop eating. And that was the beginning of the end for my ability to eat, let myself eat. And it became a little secret. I obviously didn't tell my parents that he said that because I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. And I just became anorexic. And then I have Asian parents and they never experienced that. They didn't know how to talk about that. And they were worried for me, but didn't want to face that I was going through something. Even my sister would say, hey, guys, what's going on with Kelly? All her clothes are slipping off like she doesn't seem okay." They denied her as well. And I I feel really bad for her, too. She Mm -hmm. tried to help me. But my next doctor's appointment, they were like, oh, you know, mom, you should go get a steak from Jewel Osco, put salt and pepper on it and force her to eat it. And just do that every day. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So I think I always felt like I had no support. And obviously, that was what my eating disorder was, as a way to also distract myself from a lot of fighting that was going on in my house. Mm. I love my parents. They've kind of realized they needed to get their ish together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was not doing well. And then I obviously spiraled into binge eating, which carried through all through my twenties. I mean, I'm 28 now and much more healed because of therapy, but that's kind of the roots of it.
0: A few years ago, I was on a girl's weekend and I got introduced to way Hair Care. That's O-U-A-I hair care. And they had introduced the hair oil to me and I was so blown away at the brand. I just loved everything. I love their packaging. I love the product. I ended up going and getting myself some of the leave-in conditioner and let me tell you a little bit about this. Because when your hair isn't cooperating, it can be really tempting to throw it in a ponytail and call it a day. Sometimes it feels really unmanageable when it's frizzy, tangled, damaged, or dry. But putting your hair up doesn't necessarily solve the problem. It really just hides it. So break your hair out of the ponytail and treat it to some needed TLC with the leave-in conditioner from Way. This multitasking powerhouse does it all. It hydrates, it detangles, it fights that frizz, and it even acts as a heat protectant. Trust me, your hair will thank you. For me, I have incredibly thick hair, but it also can be incredibly frizzy and also oily. So this leave-in conditioner was one that really just did it all for me and one that I could really trust. I'm also just placed an order for the air dry foam. You've got to look this up online. It's so incredible. But let's talk about that sleeve in conditioner because it truly is their best selling. You get to say goodbye to frizz, tangles, flyaways, breakage, and it's for all hair types. It also protects your hair from heat to 450 degrees. It's scented with North Bondi, a floral fragrance with the notes of bergamot, violet, and white musk. And it's color safe and cruelty free. Discover a new way of life with leave-in conditioner from Way. Go to theway.com, that's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, and use code papaya to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at theaway.com code papaya. One more time. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com code papaya. Let's get back to the show. Hi guys. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom and wife to a country music star. And I'm Jess Diamond, registered dietitian, parent educator, and mom. And this is the Meaningful Living
1: Podcast here to make parenthood and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. We bring on all our favorite experts and friends and answer all your questions. And ours. To break it all down into the simple and reliable tools, tricks and answers. We get into the real side of it, parenthood, relationships, you name it. So join us every Monday at Meaningful Living, that's meaningful with two L's for conversations that will leave you feeling way more confident. It takes a village and we can't wait for you to join ours.
0: Do you have lingering impacts from both the anorexia and the binge eating? Do you have like, or do you feel free of it? Do you feel like it's still a daily work through? Do you have any health issues that you're willing or wanting to talk about? I just discovered that I have like a thyroid issue and oh. I was like, It was one of those things where I was like, well, that's on extreme dieting for a long time. And you know, there's a lot of that where you just like have this bit of like crap, you know, I've Mm -hmm. talked about this before, but you know, cigarette packages have these massive warnings on them. You go into a casino and there's, you know, signs about addiction to gambling and like food is just something we exist with. And like diet culture is completely allowed to just like continue to perpetuate these unrealistic standards and these like get quick, these quick, you know, fixes, quote unquote. And our bodies are spiraling through this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I actually at one point lost feeling in my legs. I've talked about that before as well. there's There was a lot of long like impacts from those decisions. Do you find like, do you feel like you're in a, mentally and physically, how are you now today?
1: I think I felt a lot of inner shame when I started really checking in with why I was Mm. so constipated a couple birthdays, like on my birthday two years ago, I actually had to get a colonic because I had not pooped in 10 days.
0: I've been there. I've, it was not a colonic, but I've literally used to have to use laxatives and be able to go to the bathroom.
1: And it was so painful. And I, started to realize, okay, I really need to go heavy with my gastroenterologist. And I had to see a colorectal surgeon. And if you don't know what that is, it's a surgeon doctor that specializes in the muscles of your rectum and your colon. And I did lots of tests. I actually got a little surgery and I got Botox injections in my butt to try to relax those muscles. And I was actually diagnosed with, and a lot of people do not talk about this because it's also a privilege to be able to go do this at the doctor. Luckily, I had insurance because I was still working as a University of Illinois researcher at the time. I quit that job last year. So I was doing childhood development research for a long time. Luckily, I had insurance. I was diagnosed with pelvic floor dysfunction, And disynergetic defecation, which confirms that your brain and your bowels have zero signal between each other. And that's why you can't poop. So a lot of us, when we have to go to the bathroom, something is in like that area lower that signals for your your butt muscles to relax and let it go. Mine are always tense. And that makes sense because living with an eating disorder for so many years, I was the most tense person you would ever meet. And those are the lasting effects of. I I feel almost embarrassed by it because it feels like it was self inflicted and it's with me forever. You
0: know. I- Whenever people talk about self-harm though, I was recently having a conversation, somebody in my world was doing something of self-harm and it it felt so alarming. And, you know, especially when we see things like cutting and it's just so terrifying and so alarming. And you're like, why is this happening? And my one friend said to me, you know, we all self-harm in different ways though. Like if you reflect on it, we all do it and we're doing it like some of us do it with food. Some of us do it with alcohol or drugs or like, or bad relationships. Like there is forms of self-harm harm and they can exist in so many different ways. And I think a lot of times, like I've definitely done it. I've, you know, you know, that like soundbite or like, am I the drama? When Jane and I first started dating, I literally would start fights. Cause I just like needed, I was, it was too, it was too good. It was too comfortable. I needed to like create some harm in order for me to feel like this was okay. I needed to be reassured at least things. And, and so when we reflect in these different parts of like self-harm. I know that like we carry a lot of shame for things like these as well, but it also is just, I think sometimes something we do, it's a way that we cope. It's a way that we're managing something much bigger. And I don't know about you, but like, it is such a, now being on like medication every single day, it's such a practice of like Yes, I made these decisions and yes, it maybe created these long-term effects, but I'm so glad that I have the supportive things that I can use and these tools and these people that I follow that, you know, help me let go of that part of me that maybe feels that shame. But I'm so fascinated that you have, like you're talking so Botox in the butthole. I literally wrote that down. I was like, that's a, a song. It's just, we could sit and write it. And honestly, I didn't, this is why I find everything is so nuanced when people talk about, I just actually, I'm just going to out myself right here. I just got Botox in my jaw and I have not had a headache You go, since honey I honey. got it in my jaw. And I was like, we're so funny how people are like, Botox is the worst. It's so bad for you. And here I'm like, well, I'm not having headaches. And you're like, I'm pooping. So I mean, these are huge. Everything is so nuanced. So when we talk about things like that, it really has to be opened up to how the duality of everything. Talk to me about social media though, because you really do share it all. I think everybody in the 15 minutes of listening to you knows that you really share a lot. What have been the things that you have gotten the biggest reactions from both one positive and one negative?
1: I would say... I am very fortunate that I don't receive that much negative in general. And I would say that's a big privilege. I don't know if that's because part of me still is a bit of a people pleaser. Mm. But I think as a young kid, I was always very conscientious of always just trying to like keep a mild temperature, which is something that I've worked a lot in therapy. I don't want to always have to force myself to be comfy for everyone. Mm. And so I kind of wish there was something that I could say like really piss people off because that's oftentimes when we are our most authentic and fearless. And that's something I crave for myself. Mm. I think I am very fearless in terms of sharing a lot of vulnerable things like my butt surgery or the fact that I was willingly in a narcissistically abusive relationship after, you know, I didn't realize that till the last year. And I just want to thank you also for sharing all the things you just said, because I think the best part about sharing all of these things is that we realize why we are the way that we are. And I did have a lot of coping mechanisms like smoking weed. I'm three months from being two years sober from that. And I did it for 10 years.
0: I saw mm-hmm. that you were sober and you, mm-hmm. I honestly
1: assumed it was hate alcohol because okay. <laughs> of my acid reflux like yeah, I'm also enough. asian asian turns to tomato I'm that type
0: so mm-hmm. I can't do it
1: but so I've received the biggest response from I think the digestive things and the sobriety but I think most of all because so many of my followers have been with me for so many years and I'm so thankful I am now in like a very healthy relationship and I've never been And I've never shared it. So they're all like, whoa, what's going on? There's a boy? I kept (laughs) my boy a
0: secret for a whole year. And, you know, I loved it. I loved getting to know him that way. And then like, as soon as he was out in and everyone saw him, you know, that was also such an exciting time. But I think it is hard. It, It is hard to trust new things. It's hard to transition relationships and to not bring in. I remember between my 11 year marriage, going through divorce, and then dating. Shane, somebody, one of my male friends said to me, just be careful because drama is so addictive and you are going to miss it. And I was like, fuck you. Seriously. I'm not going to miss drama. I am so, I just want peace in my life. I just, like this was the most dramatic thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. I want nothing to do with drama. And like I just shared with you, as soon as I was in a relationship with Shane, I began to start drama, not because I missed it, but because it did feel there was such a discomfort in things being okay. And I think this is an often untalked about, side and especially for anybody who's come through recovery of any type is you get so connected to your darkness you get so connected to your recovery and to doing all the things that all of a sudden when you're on the other side and you're like oh what do I have to offer what can I talk about what is my story what is this how do I continue to exist and show up without this like big thing that
1: maybe somewhat makes me feel special do you struggle with that at all girl my life my last relationship after that, I just said to the world, I just want someone who's like not cheating on me once a week, yeah. twice a week, three times a week or not manipulating me. And that was so scary. Like I had no sense of reality at some point. And I was so used to being on the floor, begging and crying and be in this constant fighting. It was fight or flight 24 seven And at the time it did serve me in a way where I was constantly distracted. I was constantly not present with myself. And that shows a lot more about me than that person being in it and staying in it. And getting out of that, I decided to just take like almost two years, completely not talking to anyone, because I realized I had a lot of, loving on me that I had to do. And I chose weed or I chose boys or I chose even social media as ways to numb out from just Mm. who the fuck am I? What am I doing?
0: Yeah. Did you find discomfort in being alone?
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Because like you said, too, there's not this affirmation of even if there's a lot of fighting, there's something going on. There's someone acknowledging my presence and my impact on them. So us hurting each other's feelings. It's like, well, still someone is affected by me, huh?
0: Yes, I I found it was really fascinating to suddenly be like, okay, I'm by myself and I'm at home and there's just TV to watch and I you know, I'm sharing custody of my kids. So my kids also aren't here. And then I would start pacifying it with just like busy work or like going out. And I think I almost needed that a little bit to sort of settle down into a, I actually like being alone and it's fun picking the music I want to listen to and the stuff I want to do and doing it by myself. But there is such a discomfort because our entire society is built around coupledom. Like you coupled up with somebody, you doing something with somebody that I did not, I genuinely had no idea how to be by myself just never did. Oh, and I was same. living. A, this is be when I say by myself, I mean, in the upstairs of my parents' house, because I was living with them, <laughs>
1: but still, I didn't know what <sighs> to do. No, that's so hard. And also you're going through this phase where you have so much going on and you're just like, what the, how do you also prioritize yourself when you're in recovery? That was the hardest part is I'm recovering from an insane part of my life. So picking up the pieces is so exhausting. I remember feeling so physically drained. This is the only time in my life where I think I had ibs diarrhea. Oh. <laughs> you know, the trauma was just shedding from my body internally. Yeah. And I think that just takes time. And I know a lot of people will reach out, you know, through social media to me like, hey, I also just realized that this is happening, in my relationship, But and being patient with ourselves is very difficult when we're always just like bah, 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 with that person. Yeah, that it makes so much sense. And
0: Anybody with kids knows that refilling water bottles and cups for your kids can sometimes feel like an entire part-time job itself. Let alone taking care of your own hydration, looking after your kids as well, it can be an entirely different journey. This past week, it's been so proven to me why we love hydro jugs. I've said this before; we have an entire shelf of them in our kitchen. And this last week, our kids were so thirsty, needing so much more hydration as they were recovering from sickness and. And we were just refilling hydro jugs like nobody's business. But I thought about it and it would have taken me What four to eight glasses for every refill of one jug, and it just reminded me of why I love Hydro Jug so much that convenience that it has. This water bottle is so durable, and it is so amazing how many different ways it's helped me in my own life, and more than it just being this really gorgeous, Instagram worthy water bottle. I'm going to share with you a couple different things that I really love about it. First of all, there's a few different options you can go for the BPA free plastic, you can go for stainless steel or you can go for glass whatever suits your fancy it has a really wide mouth opening so you can add fresh fruit or ice that's something i've been doing a lot this week and it holds half a gallon of water so you're going to hydrate more and refill less it has a leak-proof seal so i have no problem sending these to my kids bedrooms i know that it's not going to be spilled anywhere with that wide mouth opening, like I mentioned, for ice and fruit, integrated handle makes it really easy to carry and drink from, and all of their products are BPA-free because sustainability is so important. Hydrojug also offers these really cute sleeves that makes it even easier to carry your Hydrojug. We love these from when my daughter's especially going to cheer glass or I'm going to the office. It has little pockets on the side as well to hold your phone, your keys, chapstick, etc., so, yes, they're incredibly stylish, but also they're incredibly convenient and they have proven themselves in our home time and time again. Get your hydro jug at thehydrojug.com. Use discount code papaya to get 10% off your order today. Hydro jugs are game changers for anyone on the go. Again, use code papaya at thehydrojug.com. Get 10% off today and start hydrating today. Let's get back to the show. I have to ask you now that you're in a new relationship and you share <laughs> so openly online. I mean, I was dying the other day. I know it was a freaking ad, but it was so well done. You were like oh. itching your vagina because you were talking about yeast. And the second you did it, I was like, oh my God, I, I fucking love her. Like you're just, you go there because it's like that. It was an ad all about like probiotics for yes. um the pH balance, which I actually ha- had to take. I had chronic yeast infections. So I appreciate things <gasps> like that.
1: Same. I have, yeah. I can't remember what those pills, Diflucan. I am a Diflucan oh, girl. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like- <laughs> I thank God. I was like, I could have used that sponsorship a few years ago. No, it's, is it? I diflucan? wish. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's one of there those. There might be
1: a generic, there's a generic version, but that's like the prescribed, that's like the not generic. And ever since I was younger, I had yeast infections. And obviously when I was older, having sex and stuff just got even horribly worse, like I always got a yeast infection with a new partner. Oh,
0: hell yeah, girl. I, was I got like, that Am I allergic? Am I allergic to boys? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. but I mean, now you're, you did that like in the pants, like just that sneaky scratch, which we all know so freaking well. I've never seen somebody talk about it. I've never seen somebody like bring that to the forefront. And you're in this new partnership and you also have your parents watching. Ha- has anybody in your life ever been like... <sighs> you really went there? Or do they like, what has that been like for you?
1: Well, my parents are pretty, my mom and dad are actually very reserved, but they were in the entertainment business when we were growing up. My parents are both singers, actors. My dad's a playwright. He's written plays and like won an Emmy. He's amazing. My mom's a singer, but they obviously had to have conventional jobs because we were really poor growing up. So they're amazing. And they worked so hard in this world, but when I started sh- sharing stuff on social media, they were obviously like, is that safe? What are you doing? Are yeah. you share? Are you telling people that? Are you seriously telling people that? And then, you know, my parents were also afraid that I'd be talking about them mm, because fair. our parents deeply impact us. So, yeah, I'm probably going to talk about you, but I'm not going to, like, shame you. Yeah. It's part of my story. Do you
0: have you as now like becoming an adult, I know you're not a parent, but as somebody who is like, I remember when I first became a parent and I was like, I'm so sorry, mom. Like, I'm so sorry for everything I ever thought of you about you. Cause like, please don't like, just help me now. Like I, it's so fascinating when you humanize who your parents are and the fact that like, they're not these perfect people. And a lot of times, like I'll say it, especially for dieting, people will start the story with, well, my mother And it's like, I'll I'll sometimes pause and be like, and I wonder about your mother. Like, what did she go through? What was her mother teaching her? That didn't come from nowhere. And our parents are people. Our parents are humans. Like they're not, we get zero. You literally get to like, My husband says this all the time. You get to like take a test for a driver's exam. You have to go to school for the jobs you do. And a baby, you just walk out with. Like, they're just yours. Mm. There's no real like guide, but there's a ton of books out there, but nothing straightforward that could possibly prepare you for what it is to be a parent. There's a lot of guesswork. There's no actual, you don't get a grade and a report card at the end of it. That's like, yes, you successfully did this. (laughs) Like, there are phenomenal parents who end up having children who are serial killers. Like, there's so much unpredictability around being a parent. Have you through your journey, knowing that your parents deeply did impact you in negative ways and probably positive ones as well, found yourself humanizing them now being an adult and going through things yourself?
1: So much. I feel like the struggles that I've had, I brought to them and said, wow, this is so interesting. And we connect. They go, me too. When I was younger, this is the root of this. And also my dad, he's Japanese and his parents were in the internment camps during World War II. So he had no chance, no voice, had a lot of generational trauma. And my mom is first generation Chinese. And they really had no guidance growing up and their parents didn't care about their feelings. They didn't check in with them. So they've done a very good job of being extremely empathetic, very sensitive and very willing to always talk things through with me. We learned it together. And I remember when I was in therapy, my therapist first said, so what's your relationship with your parents? And I was like, it's great. And I felt as she continued to probe, I got extremely defensive because I didn't want to blame them for anything. I didn't want to know any of that. I figured it's my fault. I'm this way. So learning how to balance, learning about where my struggles came from and the roots with my parents, balancing how to not be angry, like processing anger, but not taking it out on them Mm. is always a thing. And communicating that with them was scary at first and they didn't like it. (laughs) You know, they don't want to hear that. I felt upset with them about stuff, but they felt really relieved when they could process the truth. And we're so much closer now. Oh, that makes me so
0: happy because I think a lot of parents, like, especially I know for me, like my when my kids were little and I was really in the deepest parts of some of my struggles. There will be parts of that. They're probably my one time I forgot to pick up my daughter from school and she literally told her therapist. And I was like, seriously, Gemma, like, did you have to tell your therapist about that? Like it was one time and she was like, Well, just came up in conversation. I'm like, did it just come up in conversation? Try my best to Love here. that your
1: love that your children also have done therapy. Like, go, mom. Like, yeah, to that- tell them I didn't pick them up from school once. No, I fucking <laughs> love that like bless you for like, uh, it's just basically a place for them to connect with themselves. It's amazing. It is.
0: I love therapy. It's so fascinating that therapy used to be a thing that, oh, there must be something wrong with you. And now it's like, my kids will be like, oh, I think I just need to like go to therapy for a little bit and like check in with some things. And I'm like, great. Cause there's a lot of stuff that I literally can't do for you. Like it can't show up for you that way. But I am always like, very aware of the fact that I am a flawed human. There will be things that come up, especially from the divorce or from when I was like deep in my struggles that they're probably going to have to process and go through. And I'm excited for hopefully me to be able to show up for them in that journey. Should they need to go through it? Should they need to talk about these things? Like, I actually don't feel shame for the parts of my lacking when it comes to parenthood because it was survival. Like that's just what it was. It's survival. Anybody who struggled with any sort of postpartum or depression while being a parent, you're getting through the freaking day. And so like, I get it. I love that you kind of have brought these two worlds together of like healing and also having this like parent child relationship and it really being something that can be connected and that you can kind of do together. Over the years, you have seen me time and time again either talk about Fit Beauty, share about it. I've also collabed with them a couple times. It's one of my favorite brands, but let me share a little bit more about them with you because their backstory is kind of what makes them just that much better. Fit Beauty is an all-natural dermatologist tested plant-based skincare and makeup brand that believes you should not sacrifice performance for effortless beauty. All products, including makeup are made with science backed skincare formulas to help you target your skin concerns naturally with zero harsh chemicals. Just to break that down for a second, that means your makeup is actually going to work with skincare at the same time. They are vegan, cruelty-free, silicone-free, paraben-free, and gluten-free. It's women-owned and women-led and believes that beauty should be uncomplicated. They also donate to charities like Save the Manatee Foundation, Arbor Day Foundation, Style C's, and various women's shelters across South Florida where their company's headquarters are. That helps women experiencing homelessness and children in need. The brand's 2030 mission is effortless beauty built for sustainable future, where by 2030, the brand plans to reduce its CO2 emissions and carbon footprint with forever recyclable aluminum packaging, innovative refillable formulas to reduce product waste and is dedicated to turning trash into beauty with PCR and sugarcane packaging. I have been a long, Time fan. Their bronzers and blushes, their lip serums, which I just recently went on TV raving about, is some of my favorite products I've ever used. And I've used them for years and years and years. Y'all, I haven't had chapped lips for over three years because of Ficlow and their lip serums. Right now, you can use my code TBP17 to get 20% off site wide. That's TBP17 for 20% off site wide. That's ficklebeauty.com. Use code TBP17 for 20% off site-wide. Can't wait to hear what you think about it, but let's get back to the show. I do want to shift gears a quick second because we're at the end of our, almost at the end of our time. And I'm just so curious about you as a creator, because You are just, (laughs) in my opinion, one of the best. You're very good at it. And I'm dying to know you are. You're very, very good. And I'm so fascinated by anybody who has any video skills whatsoever. So (laughs) I would love for you to kind of share how you got into creating and what you're kind of Mm -hmm. hoping to do.
1: Well thank you for saying that because I feel the same about you. You're an ins- you're an incredible creator. I really do love making like the ad you were just talking about. I love making videos or ads that have deep truth to them that will show things like yes, I'm going to scratch my vagina. Yes, I'm going to show you that it has a <laughs> smell. Yes, I will also tell you that oh my gosh, I was in a horrible relationship for so long and look at me now. I love telling story through video because I think that we want to see someone act out the parts of us that we might be too afraid to show up and say publicly. Mm, We kind of need that mirror or that sounding board even to process as we watch someone tell their story. And I think that's probably something you, but how I got into it was, you know, Instagram was a huge thing starting maybe like eight or ten years ago I can't even remember now we're veterans at this point and I started YouTube so that was the beginning of like I shared my recovery journey and like vlogs and things like that and Instagram, Once I quit my job working at University of Illinois after seven years in 2021, I became a full-time content creator because I realized, whoa, you can make money from doing this. Like brands want to work with you. Like what? And I started to just full throttle learn from a lot of other people though. There are so many amazing creators out there who are so creative. So I just love doing it. And I think I always just want to show you that it's not just you, whatever the hell the topic is. What's your favorite platform? I'd say definitely Instagram, but I know I need to get on TikTok and I have a TikTok, but I'm scared of it still. I know it's so stupid. It's been here for two years. I'm lame. <sighs> it, I don't blame me for being scared. I'll be honest. Everything is like really dicey
0: over there. I find that Instagram is like, at least it's your people that see you. It's like normally 98% of your followers and 2% of followers who like, or people who don't follow Mm -hmm. you. And on TikTok, it's the reverse. So you're literally just opening yourself up and being vulnerable to people who do not give a shit about you and are (laughs) very willing to give you an opinion. As much as people are like, you gotta be on TikTok. And I'm like, you need to make sure that you're ready for it. I find that I'll post on there, but I can't read the comments. I did it the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know how creators are doing okay being on this app. It is a lot. It is very difficult. And yes, there is a whole part of the world that's doing that. But I also will say to everyone, like tread carefully. It is a, it. it people get hated on. And I think when you get like negative criticism and stuff, it feels very much like an isolated thing, like you're the only one and how embarrassing Mm -hmm. that is kind of back to like what you said about that 10 year old boy who said that one thing. And it like, everybody is getting these types of comments, but you're getting like 400 of them a day and you somehow have to be able to manage that sort of comment, like commentary. But at the same time, you also get to reach brand new people and the right people. And it kind of does in a way fire you up for your why sometimes. So I totally get it. I get all sides of it. I mean, I'd love to see you on TikTok, but I also don't think you have to. But I also think you have all your content ready to go. You're already doing it.
1: You're the best. You know, it's funny. I started doing TikToks for this brand that makes bras. And it's really fun creating for a brand and being a brand strategist for them. And making videos. And it's not me. It's not. Like, it's my face. It's me acting totally, but it's not my account yet. So it's a good practice. It's a gateway drug. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> and
0: are you so you're full time now? Are you yeah. loving it? Or do you find it's more stressful than you expected? I always love that. I've talked to a few creators now who have just in the last couple of years, quit their corporate jobs, come over to being, you know, full time creator and some of those like shocking moments or like surprise moments or exciting moments.
1: Well, it is wild going from working in academia and making not that much money, but having a stable safety Mm. net and insurance. (laughs) I feel like the biggest struggle as a creator was is that I was more productive when I had no time. I had zero time. I mean, I'd work till 8 p.m. and then love creating because it was my passion and my outlet. So when it becomes your way, your only mechanism of making dollars, it's like, oh my God, uh, I don't know, I don't know. And that's something I've been navigating. And I just moved to LA three months ago. So I've just been going through a lot of changes. I moved from Champaign, Illinois which is oh middle of nowhere. Fields. Do you love LA? Like why was, wh-
0: first of all, why did you move to LA? Is it just because it's the hub of everything?
1: Yes. I, there's a lot of opportunity here. And I feel like most of our job is taking photos or videos, right. And being in the cold or not being able to go outside and not having Girl, sun in or Canada. Light. I
0: know, I know. I know my bedroom I'm from gets Chicago.
1: So yeah. Yeah. Winter's like half the fucking year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it was always a pipe dream for me. And because I wasn't tied any longer to the, the school or my job, mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I should go for it. And I was, I never lived anywhere else but Chicago or Champaign, Illinois. So I think it was just time for me to grow. I'm 28. I needed to have I'd been going through all these life changes already. I needed a safety net to find myself again. And then when I did, I said, all right. Can do it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love it, and you were just here, so I. You know how much you love it. I do love it.
0: There is, you know, sometimes I get a little jealous of people online because you see them having so many opportunities and like podcasting in studios and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I just want it so bad. But I get so much work done when I go to LA. Like I did one day in studio and got like a month worth of work done. Like that is just. Mm -hmm. blows my mind. I'm going to be going out there probably quarterly now and just like getting it done. Like just taking that concentrated work time. Yes. It's also so beautiful. There's so much opportunity. There's so much talent in terms of like photographers and, you know, podcasters, there's so much to do. So I'm so glad you're out there. I will live in my little suburban area of Canada and I will enjoy it because LA will always be such a little shock to the system.
1: Well, you know what? I find there's so much value and utility to where I used to live. When I didn't have options Mm. to be outside all the time and enjoy these fun parts, I was highly more productive. And being in a place where you can really hone in and not be able to just go and do whatever you want was extremely helpful. And you also have your family and that's so fulfilling for you. And you have a beautiful home in a beautiful area. Like snow is also so pretty, like there's so many benefits. I mean it.
0: It's pretty until January 1st and then I don't want <laughs> anything to do with it. It literally just melted. It is middle of March. Hey. It just melted.
1: Tell okay. Well, every- I'm saying that I'm jealous that yeah. you can be productive there because I am need to be more.
0: Anyway, you know, I get that though. I totally get what you're saying because I used to work two jobs and I used to feel like I was so productive with work because I just had to, you had to be scrappy. You didn't have time to overthink it. And now it's like, and you don't realize like how many phone calls, business meetings, emails take up your actual day. And you're like, Oh man, remember when I just got to like take pictures and post them. But I also, I'm like, look how much we're All learning. Look at our freaking resumes from doing work like this. Like it's so cool. Social media is going nowhere. We're learning so much. I appreciate you and everything you do, but tell everyone who's listening, like where best to kind of plug into everything, Kelly, you.
1: You can find me on Instagram. Just look up at underscore Kelly. You, I really wish I could buy Kelly from oh, the I person know. who has no followers, but I can't. <laughs> so underscore Kelly, you, you can find me on YouTube, Kelly, U. just the letter U. I have a podcast called Therapy Thursday. You can find it everywhere. You have podcasts. I've had amazing guests, like one of our friends, amazing friends, Kenzie. Oh, and freaking Kenzie! Harry's cup of tea. I know. Love so them. everyone that we love is also a guest on that podcast. And you can also find me on TikTok. Kelly, you
0: amazing. I love that you. I love that you plug TikTok at the end. <laughs> it's happening, <laughs> everywhere. I need to
1: stay accountable, girl. There
0: you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and for everyone listening, I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you as well. And we'll see you next week. Before we wrap today's show, I just want to remind everybody, I have an app. Did you know that? Did you know I have an app? And it is a photo, and video app. We worked for years into building this, and now you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya, on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are, but still expressing your creativity with nearly 50 free filters and tools. You can also find us on social and share your edits at Pink Papaya app on the gram. Come and follow me on Instagram and you can actually go into my highlights where I have app tips and you'll see so many different tutorials on how to use the app, but to be honest, it's so user-friendly. I wanted this to be the app that helped anybody have amazing photos no matter who you were and where how much you had to offer in terms of your skills with photography and editing. It's meant and designed to be so easy to use and to celebrate you exactly as you are while you tell your story. So go check it out in the app store. It's called Pink Papaya, and you can check us out on the gram at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.